Radio. Foreign Aid. An interview with Paul O'Callaghan in the lead-up to Australia's 2016 federal election. So I'm joined today by Paul O'Callaghan uh, from Caritas Australia. He's the CEO. Um, thank you for joining me, Paul. Welcome. Good to talk to you. First thing that I wanted to look at, um, as you know, we're, we're currently doing um, a bit of a series on the federal election and issues that specifically relate to Catholics and Catholicism. Um, and of course, one of the big issues is um, how do we love? Um, and how do we love our neighbour overseas? Um, and of course, Caritas Australia does a lot of work with foreign aid, um, with helping our brothers and sisters who are in need beyond our shores, beyond our borders. Um, and so I firstly wanted to ask you about what the Catholic Church has to say about foreign aid, specifically with relation to, I guess, governments. Uh, there's not a specific church doctrinal policy related to this, but just to let you know that um, uh, I guess you've got two levels. One is that uh, the Holy Father has been very clear since he came into this role uh, about how vitally important uh, our neighbour is, whether it's actually in our own country. Remember, he spent a lot of his life in the slums of Buenos Aires or, you know, in other countries. Um, and the, the church's principal mechanism for doing work in this field is called caritas, um, which means love and compassion in Latin. Now, um, previous popes have also been very supportive. In fact, uh, caritas uh, dates back to the late 1800s, but it really became quite a large entity after the Second World War, and it now has over 500,000 staff, uh, more than 10 million volunteers, is operating in 190 countries. And so uh, it's, it's a huge network, and in each of those countries, um, the agencies are, if you like, setting their own priorities within the sphere of the bishops' conferences. Each one is basically governed by the local bishops' conference. So in you know, Philippines, they have their bishops' conference. In Tonga, they have theirs. In Peru, they have theirs. In Australia, we have ours. And I think the key thing, going back to your theme about love, is that we uh, have as our, our driving focus in all of this um, the Catholic social teaching principles of working alongside people, giving dignity to people, no matter how uh, they are living, what their circumstances are, but particularly to assisting people to be the architects of their own future. And what that means is we, as a, as a whole network globally, we do not practice um, Western-style project management onto people, onto communities. Um, we have this massive global organisation which is based on a simple principle that um, God has created all of us with dignity. We need to respect the di dignity of everyone that we are working with and we particularly need to hear their views on what their priorities are. You know, it may be that a, a community, it appears to us that what a community really needs is some form of new sanitation, but it may be that the most important thing to, for them is actually developing livelihoods, being assisted to take, uh, uh, develop training and roles where they can generate their own income. That, that could well be the case. So the, the way in which love is expressed through the Caritas network, of which Australia is just one part, is very palpable 
And uh, in fact, one of the things uh, I can mention for the listeners is that we uh, receive a lot of feedback as well from people, even after the most terrible uh, natural disasters, cyclones and earthquakes and so on, um, because we have people in the field uh, who are assisting directly in these situations. And it's quite remarkable that um, people who've lost many family members, they've lost their house, all these other things, they're so often expressing appreciation to those overseas like us for being there with them. It's not something that you would automatically assume, but it's actually very common. Um, and I, th I think that reflects very often the faith, uh, depth of faith that many of these people have. As you know, they're very, very small proportion of the world's population have no faith connection or atheists. The vast majority of the world's population, probably 90, over 90%, actually do have a faith background and so when they look at us and I should say we work with people of any faith um, when they, they look at us they see us if you like as faith in action but we don't proselytize people might be a little bit I guess the listener might be a bit confused about I mean um, as we're talking about the the federal election they may be familiar with um, projects like Project Compassion yeah. from Caritas Australia. Um, so they may have a bit of confusion thinking that Caritas Australia works mostly on, on private funds. Um, so what this actually has to do with the Australian government. Mm. Can you perhaps talk about the relationship between Caritas Australia and the Australian government, for example? Sure. Thanks, Luke. Well, in fact, um, donors to Caritas Australia provide 75% of the funds we use to run programs in 30 countries, about 190 programs altogether. So the vast bulk of it comes directly from donors um, and about 25% from the federal government. Um, I, I, I suppose the, the key element in this is that um, it's been really uh, tragic to see Australia move from a situation at the national government level only four, five years ago of a bipartisan commitment to significantly increase our contribution in terms of gross national income on global poverty issues. Uh, and in the last five years, we've gone backwards, not only backwards, near, over a quarter of the whole official aid program was just removed in funding terms. And neither of the major political parties has made any commitment to restore it at any time in the future, which is very strange because you know, uh, for all the talk uh, on both sides of politics about their vision and where they're wanting the country to go and so on, they both seem to forget that until about five years ago, Australia was regarded around the world as one of the top 10 contributors, one of the leaders in this area, trying to address the causes of poverty, trying to promote economic development and empowerment for communities. And um, we had this reputation, it was, we were referred to as a middle power, in fact, in the international relations literature. That's the term that was used for both Canada and Australia. We were going well beyond our national interest, our self-interest, to do things, particularly in terms of global poverty, that may not have any direct benefit. There's no contracts coming back. It's a, it's a one-way, appears to be a one-way contribution. So essentially we had that for 50 years and Australians could be proud that that was part of who we are. That reflected values which are essentially going back to our Judeo-Christian base, but widely accepted, I think, in the Australian community, that we need to be part of the world and contributing. And that's basically gone now. Uh, unfortunately, our political leaders on both sides 
have seen this as something you can scrap. Um, there aren't many votes in it from their point of view. And so uh, the level of commitment has dropped spectacularly. In fact, we've gone from being, you know, number uh, 12, I think number 11 of all the OECD countries, all the wealthy countries, in terms of the proportion of gross national income that we spend on international aid, we're now down at number 19, uh, which is the first time Australia has ever been near the bottom of the group on something like uh, contribution to... Uh, you know, redressing global poverty. It's, I think it's extraordinary. I think it's uh, almost shameful that we're in a position where both of the major political parties see no need to restore uh, a serious aid program. I'm not talking about in the top two or three, but somewhere in the middle of the wealthy countries. We are one of the wealthiest countries in the world, in fact, one of the top three or four in, on a per capita basis. Um, and yes, there are budget issues for the federal government, but essentially, both major political parties have decided this is a very low priority. Mm. Mm. I guess there, there are also, um, you could say, our goals or, or objectives, for example, by the United Nations. There have been set things like the Millennium Development Goals and I believe there's other, other things about, um, I guess, targets for proportion of GDP which is what you, or GNP, which is what you've spoken about. Um, do you mind giving a bit of an introduction as to what those are and how Australia has been performing in comparison to them? Well, you know, um, the, what we call the Millennium Development Goals was a, uh, a framework for trying to assist developing countries make a transition out of um, extreme poverty in many cases, uh, but not all cases, but in many cases, uh, so that there would be clean water, access to schooling, particularly for women and girls who hadn't, in many countries had not had access, um, shelter, a whole series of measures that were there. Now, um, that that particular 15-year plan came to an end and was converted into a more sophisticated, more complex plan, which is called the Sustainable Development Goals. And that has altogether something like 180 indicators of change, which, um, you know, the heads of government from, I think, 140 countries went to sign up to this. But the difference with this one is that it includes the wealthy countries. And um, so the intention is it's not just an idea of donors giving money, but also the wealthier countries indicating what they are doing. Because as you know, in Australia, there are many people in, in very dire circumstances. Not We've got indigenous people in certain communities. We've got people in terms of homelessness, mental health, other issues. So we are part of it. So far, that particular... Uh, Australian agreement to be part of the Sustainable Development Goals hasn't been reflected in any policy framework that we will be reporting on. But overall, the, the, the key thing is that um, there is an expectation, not only from you know, the United Nations um, members, but, uh, but also from the other wealthy countries, that for the group that really have the capacity, such as Australia, to continue to make a difference in this area, that we should do so, that we should do it. Not necessarily in all parts of the world. You know, we operate here in Australia in our foreign policy and also in terms of the Catholic Church, uh, in mostly in Asia, the Pacific, and a bit in East Africa. Those are the areas that we've had most involvement in over the years. It's, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that we'd be very active in Latin America or in some other places. Central Asia, for example. 
Um, the North, uh, Euro the Europeans and North Americans focus on some other areas, but there is a there is a great disappointment around uh, official circles around the world that Australia has sort of dropped the ball completely. That both of the major political parties, whoever forms government, will not commit to any progress to restore uh, a proper aid program, and I think that's uh, something most Australians may not think about it very much, but we for you know, 50 years, we actually were regarded so well like this. And this is sort of putting love in action in a way through public policy. Uh, we're now seeing uh, in quite a, a different perspective as being much more self-interested, um, much more narrowly focused on things like uh, keeping asylum seekers out rather than being part of regional and global solutions. And in, in regard to foreign aid, becoming a very minor player. Mm. Mm. I guess I was going to ask you about what the major parties' policies on this are, but I think you've already answered that already. It would be a very short answer nonetheless. Um, so I guess the, the question would be now, what should the voter do um, in terms of, even if perhaps voting might not help, although there, there are, I'm sure, minor parties who, who do have this as, a, as an interest, but um, even after the election, what can the voter or, or anyone really, uh, any Australian do um, to help Australia get back into a competitive position with, well, with this? Well, look, it's, a, uh, it's going to be a long journey, but um, I remember one prominent, um, uh, very prominent politician saying to me um, not long after the federal government cut more than a, about 25% out of the aid program, he said, I, I haven't had many people call me or write to me, so it mustn't matter. Mm. Now, he was being truthful mm. and, uh, of course, politicians get a lot of correspondence, they get people trying to call them, to speak to them, and I think uh, the reality is that in the midst of many cutbacks on domestic programs, um, particularly in the social services area, uh, I'm thinking here now in um, 20, probably 2013, 2014, 2015, um, people, many, many uh, Catholics around the country probably were naturally focusing more on what's going to be happening here in Australia. But I, I, I think it's the reason I gave the example of that politician is I think the, the thing is we do have um, a good democratic system. It's not perfect. And you always have to remember uh, Winston Churchill made this very famous statement um, uh, that democracy is the worst system of government in the world except that every other system is worse. Mm. And I think that's true. Uh, we do have access. What I'd say to people, uh, any people listening or reading this, would be that um, your own direct communication with a member of parliament or a senator, or even at the, the state level, even though it's, it's not the state level that runs the foreign policy, any direct communication, it could be handwritten, it could be email, it could be by phone, it could be by going to see them, as long as that's your authentic voice, you, you don't have to be an expert about these things to be able to say, I don't really want Australia to be sliding down this path. So I would urge people to communicate that in whatever form they feel comfortable doing. Um, you know, sometimes there are opportunities to meet politicians. They come to school openings, they come to various events in the electorate you can sidle up and say hello. They'll generally talk. You know, they're, they're not bad people. We're, we're fortunate overall. They're generally people committed to public service. And so 
in my experience, having worked with politicians for about 30 years, quite closely, um, they will actually listen to you. The thing they don't like is when somebody sends a standardised email and they send 3,000 of them. They just don't read them at all. Mm. It has no effect whatsoever. Even 25,000 has no effect. They, they need to know, and it could be you know, um, an 85-year-old uh, widower who writes by hand one short note, six sentences, I really think we should be doing better. I would like you to speak up. Mm. They actually take notice of that. Mm. But they need to be hearing this voice. They need to hear it not everywhere and every electorate, but they do need to be hearing it so that when they stand up in the party room, when parliament meets and they've got their own special political party meeting, they can say, you know, I've been getting quite a bit of contact. People are telling me that it's not good enough what we're doing on mm. international aid. And then, of course, their finance person will say, well, that's bad luck. We can't do anything. And then they, they will say, well, I think we need to be thinking about our overall priorities. I'm not arguing about the money right now, but what are our national priorities? Who are we as a people? We are Australians. What do we really believe in? You know, what, what is it that represents us? We have this fantastic reputation, not only in the foreign aid area, but in things like peacekeeping operations, assisting with various global initiatives, even things like the Montreal Protocol to close the ozone layer. Australia and Canada were the two kind of instigators of that, even though, you know, there was no special benefit particularly. But, you know, we've had this role of being a very creative player on the world stage for many decades. And, and now we've just gone into this kind of miserly self-focused mode. And I'm confident that we'll come out of it, but the only way we will come out of it is if, if people in the community individually decide, you know, I'm just going to write them a letter or I'm going to get in touch somehow. It won't, be, it won't be one big campaign. It'll be thousands and thousands of small communications over the next three or four years. Mm, that's fantastic advice. Um, I guess I would probably just finish off with a question about someone who might be a little bit unsure. They might say, oh, this foreign aid, you know, is simply using money as a problem and that just increasing money isn't necessarily going to do anything. It might be, it might simply go to corrupt governments, for example. Um, if people aren't there on the forefront and, and don't quite um, see, I guess, what, what foreign, aid, foreign aid looks like on the ground. I guess as someone who, who is involved with foreign mm -hmm. aid on the ground, I possibly speak about where does the money um, of foreign aid go to? Well, let me just say to give people some reassurance, um, every few years, each of the aid programs of all of the wealthier countries is uh, vetted by other members of that group to see you know, what's going well, what's not going well, what might not be working properly. Um, it's like a peer review process. And Australia's been involved with that process within the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, over the last um, 25 years. Um, we, we had one of these um, processes, an investigation effectively, and a report only two years ago. And it found that the Australian aid program was outstanding in ensuring funds were used appropriately, uh, that evaluations were done, that there was great rigour in the way it was done. It was regarded as one of the best in the world, which is fantastic. So Australian citizens can feel encouraged by the fact that we have uh, a leading edge aid program in terms of the way funds are used and transparency and accountability for what's being done. Um, the, the issue really is more for anybody who's uh, listening, 
is, is this an issue that matters to you? And I would say, um, as a Catholic, that um, I, I understand there are pressing needs here in our own country in so many areas, um, with disability and mental health and indigenous issues, a whole raft of issues. At the same time, I would say um, we, we don't think in just one track. And, you know, our whole faith tells us that we are not separate from others. We are, we are together and we are all in this great creation. Uh, and in that way, it seems to me, and I'd say this to the politicians as well, that a key part of being true to who we are is being present to the extent that we can for others in significant need, which is, you know, the whole Good Samaritan story. Um, other parts of the Gospels as well. Uh, but basically, we, we, we have the added thing, is that Australia, for many, many decades, more than 50 years, 60, 70 years, has been demonstrating its commitment, in a sense, to trying to restore well-being and, and promote positive change in these impoverished communities. And we are sort of, we've got a reputation. That, that's our reputation. We're one of those few countries in the world you know, who's really committed beyond our own self-interest. And it's not exactly the, the dollar figure for it, but the thing that disturbs me at the moment is neither political party believes they need to set any vision, any targets. They're just happy to coast along near the bottom. So I would say to listeners that, you know, as you think about this, what sort of a, an Australia do you want to have, to be? Do you want it to reflect this sense of our contribution as much as we can to the other, to the neighbour, um, and, and knowing that we have a really efficient and well-run aid program? Uh, or do you want us to just sort of turn totally inward and more or less shut off the rest of the world? I think for most Catholics, they know we are part of the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic place to finish, you know, that what kind of Australia do we want? And I think that's applicable to, to a, lot of, a lot of areas that are of concern to Catholics. Um, so thank you very much, Paul, for joining me. Um, if, you wanted to, if you want to find out more, you can, of course, head to the Caritas website. And we've also been um, putting up the, uh, the Bishop's Statement, um, a vote for the voiceless, um, which I believe mentions um, a lot of these issues that we've been talking about as well. Um, so thank you very much, Paul, for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. That was an interview with Paul O'Callaghan on foreign aid in the lead-up to Australia's 2016 federal election. And for more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.